0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's good to be in this place with your people today. I ask you, dear God, you bless us as we study thy word together. Every one of these, Lord, that just needs your hand upon them today, would you touch bodies today, Lord, and relieve pain, take care of them, watch over and keep them. Let those that's going through hard times right now know that you're with them. You'll never leave them. You're their comfort. So bless we pray today now. Bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would please turn your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter twenty two. <clears throat> Matthew chapter twenty two. I thought it would be good to go through the I was reading this. I love to read this part of Matthew but especially Matthew 22. I want to begin to read in verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man. thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye ye, me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny, and he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things which are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Pray with me, please. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you help us to understand how to handle hypocrites that come into our life and those that attempt to us to go against God's Word, bless us today. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to read on down through verse 33, beginning in verse 23. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. And asked him, Say, Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall be, shall be of the seventh? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Going back to verse 15 for a few minutes, they went. then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Isn't it strange to you that uh, they're talking to God in the flesh and they're trying to entangle him in his talk? Now, the Pharisees took counsel. You know it's always easy to get the devil's crowd together against the Lord. Uh, for instance, in Washington, uh, the devil's crowd uh, is always together trying to defeat uh, decency. They Notice they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. There were two ways which the Pharisees could dispose of Jesus. Number one, by civil law, by two, number two, by force. And they did not use force because the multitude believed Jesus to be the prophet of God. So, they tried to trap the Son of God into trouble with the civil authorities. But Jesus knew their thoughts and hearts because He is God. They didn't even understand the silly questions they asked. Now, remember this. Uh, I've got this wrote down and a little thing I keep of little sayings. You argue with a fool, you become a fool. Jesus never got into a debate with the devil's crowd. He just gave them a true statement, and it was not up for discussion. Then note the hypocritical tone of verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, and said, Master, now let me tell you something. Jesus is not master. He's God. We know that thou art true and teaches the way of God in truth, neither careth thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of man. Well if they knew that he teaches the truth, why are you question him? Now go on with me, please I want to show you something. God has always had problem with hypocrisy, flattery. And, I, and this is something that I have been very careful of ever since I got into the ministry. You better be careful when people flatter you all the time. Uh, if you preach the truth, some people are going to have a problem with you. Amen? If you stand for the truth. So if everybody is flattering you and everybody thinks highly of you, you're in trouble. Now, they called him Master, and he is. They said, Neither carest thou for any man. Now that simply means he was impartial when it comes to decision making. Verse 17 and 18 Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt me, ye, ye me, ye hypocrites? Now the question these men were asking was delicate. It was difficult and it was dangerous. they were stupid. they spread their own net. If they had known the Bible in Psalms 9 and verse 15 and 16, the heathen are such uh, sunk down in the pit that they made in the net which they hid in their own foot is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Man is silly to try and go against God. God always wins. Now here's the great truth. The word of God, which is what Jesus spake, always removes the veil from his enemies and puts them on display in their true colors. Jesus answered them back. Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? In verse 18. Now, I can imagine uh, one of these Pharisees, a Herodian, saying to Jesus, Now, there's no use to getting mad about it. It's just a question. But verse 18, But Jesus perceived their wickedness. Notice uh, the malice here and the deceit can never be at ease before God. In other words, you've got to be very careful. Now, go with me to 1 John just a minute. I will read you just a a few verses in 1st John chapter 4 that's just before the revelation 1st John chapter 4 and I want to begin to read in verse 16 1st John chapter 4 verse 16 and we have known and believed the love that God has to us God is love and he that dwelleth in God uh, in love dwelleth in God and God in him herein is our love made perfect That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. And fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loved God love his brother also. Now, notice with me, these are there are hypocrites in the world today, men and women who pretend to reverence and honor the Lord Jesus, but at the same time uh, are being used the devil to hinder those who preach the truth. But there will be no hypocrites in heaven. Now, going down to verse 19, show me the money, and they brought him a penny. Now, here's a clear teaching on paying our share of taxes as Christians. Now, I know of of, of several Christians that uh, fight against paying taxes. They don't believe in paying taxes. They say, that's the devil's crowd. We're not going to pay taxes. Well, they're going against God because God said to pay our taxes. Now, verse 22, if you would please. When they heard this, uh, these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now, I want to give you something here. The great wonder and marvel at Jesus to think greatly of him and get excited about Jesus. But if that's all you do, then you'll die and go to hell. Now, notice they left him. Now, here's what I'm asking. If you love Jesus and his crowd, where are you going next? If you're going to leave him. Now, the last words of this verse, and went their way. Now, that's what men do when they leave the teachings of Jesus. They go their own way. In Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Now, the Bible also says there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the ways thereof are the uh, death. And I love to read Psalms 37 with that, but I won't take time to read it. Now, let me finish this before I go on. As Christians, although we're in the world, John 17, verse 14 through 16, we're not of the world. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, verse 33, including money to pay taxes. Now, the kingdom of God is first, the final, and supreme, but we're to live under our government and perform our duties to the state, and we're to be always guided by the Holy Spirit of God loyal first, foremost to the throne of God, and spiritual matters. Uh, I talked to a man just this past week, and or not just past week, but sometime back, about voting and so on, and he said, uh, I can tell you're for Trump, and uh, he said, how in the world can you be for Trump? And he worked for uh, a gas company uh, up way up in a big refinery and things, and He said, do you realize the cost it takes to get a gallon of gas to your pump or to your car? And he went on and on. That's the reason I uh, vote for Biden. And I said, sir, here's the problem. If you're going to vote for somebody, and I don't care who it is, if you're a Republican, vote the way uh, the Bible says. But if you're a Democrat, then you ought to vote according to what the Bible says. There's a higher law than man. And first of all, if you're thinking about somebody standing and teaching to you, if it's a preacher, if it's a congressman standing and trying to get you to do something, how do you know how to make the right decisions? The right decision is by the Word of God. Now, I want you to go to chapter 22 of Matthew, and I want to begin to read in verse 34. In verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees aside, silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tipped him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, here again, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus into answering some foolish question. Uh, but remember this, now, you can't win against God. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, notice... These were familiar words to all devout Jews. They repeated them every morning and every evening. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, 4 through 9, they knew these words. They knew they were to love the Lord the God with all their heart, and with all their mind, with all their soul. Now, <clears throat> here are some hypocrites asking Jesus what is right to do according to the commandments. Jesus answered, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Now, notice the heart of man is a seed of emotion. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, from the heart comes the issues of life. <clears throat> now, the soul is a spiritual part of man. The mind is the intellect or thinking facility of man. In other words, we're to love God with our whole being. God is our creator, He's our preserver, He's our provider, He's our judge. Therefore, God has the right to command that we love Him supremely above all else on earth. We're to love God above all material possessions, all human relationships, even above life itself. Now, if we ought to give up our life, our love, and our loyalty to Him then. We are to bring uh, memory, thought, imagination, reason, judgment, and every minute detail of our mind, our mental powers, and surrender these powers as willing subjects to, at God's feet and adoration and love of Him. Now, notice with me, Jesus always gives more than we ask. The lawyer asked here, simply asked Jesus to name the greatest commandment. And Jesus quoted the commandment as the greatest and the first commandment. Now, here's the thing. This commandment is first for several reasons. This commandment is first because uh, the Creator, the one has no right to love anyone more than he loves his the one is created, has no right to love anyone any more than he loves the Creator. He owes his all to the Creator. Now, I I had a hard time with this for several years. I, I, I owe my daddy for bringing me into this world. And I thought I ought to work for him no matter what. And I ought to do for him. or anything my daddy asked me to do, I was willing to do it. And I had people talk to me, yeah, you can get a better job, but I thought I owed my daddy for bringing me this world. I still think so. I still thank God for my daddy and my mother for bringing me into this world. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Amen? And that's the reason I love them. But I go a step further than that. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my Creator. And God made me exactly like He wanted me to be made, and He made you exactly like He wanted you to be made, and therefore we owe all we are to our Creator. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. Now, uh, this bright and shining one fell from heaven in Isaiah 14 to the earth and became Satan because of the sins of jealousy and envy, Toward God. Now, all from the hour, uh, from Adam, everyone from Adam was created this command was binding upon him. All the way from Adam, this uh, commandment is binding upon man. And when Adam put God's second and listened to Eve, instead of obeying God, he fell also. Now, this commandment is first because it carries the greatest demand possible. That is, we love God with our whole love. Love of heart, love of soul, love of mind. Here's why this is the first great commandment. Because no man can render to God such love, perfect love, from our fallen race. I can't love God like I ought to love God. That's the reason I pray all the time. Lord, teach me to love you more. Lord, I want to love you more, but I find I can't love God perfectly until I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now I want you to watch this. According to Romans three nineteen and 20, it is impossible to be saved by works of the law. But man cannot satisfactorily obey the first and great commandment, but Jesus did. Jesus is the only one who ever rendered or ever will render perfect obedience to this command. And Jesus' obedience is reckoned and put to their account to all those who believe in Jesus and trust Him as Savior. Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus is love, perfect love. Therefore, Jesus is perfect love and He loves us with perfect love. That's why Jesus went to Calvary in our stead. Jesus... Uh, laid his life down for us that we might have life by believing in him. Now I want you to look at verse thirty-nine. Verse thirty-nine, and the second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, who has done this? Do you think about this? If we could, then the answer is not in Jesus alone. I can't love my neighbor as myself. My goodness, alive! I want what I want. Amen? My neighbor wants what he wants. And I could go on and on arguing about my love and my neighbor's love and so on. Now, Colossians one twenty-seven. I want to show you something. Christ in the believer is the hope of glory. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.3. 3. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. Now, if you'll notice these verses, and many more like them, every believer is in Christ. Amen? Now, that's the whole thought here. We're in Christ. Outside of Christ, I can't love my neighbor as all too. I can't love anybody as ought to. But I can in Christ, even though we're not capable of loving our neighbor as ourselves, Christ in us loves that neighbor with perfect love. Therefore, this commandment is founded upon the first commandment, and it flows from the first. Now, verse 40, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if you go back to Ecclesiastes, E.S.T. 12, verse 13. Uh, the loving God and loving our neighbor is the first one. Subject of divine revelation. Remove this one support and all the others fall. If you don't love Jesus as your personal Savior, then you have nothing. There's nothing. Now I want you to watch verse 41. While the Pharisees were together, Jesus asked them, saying, What thank you, of Christ whose son is he? Say unto them, the son of David. He says to them, How then doeth David in spirit call him Lord? Say, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit down my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither doeth any man uh, from that day forth ask him any more questions. You know what I've learned? Being a Christian, trying to love everybody, trying to get along with everybody, if somebody asks you a foolish question, answer them with the Word of God. Don't get in an argument with them. Don't fuss with them. Don't fight with them. Just answer them from the Word of God and leave it there. Amen? Because God has never lost an argument. His Word stands. And that's why it' when people start talking to me about all kind of crazy things, and I do, I have a bad habit, uh, whatever you want to call it, a flaw. Or whatever, I love to argue. When it comes to things of the Bible, I just, uh, if you're not careful, I get in argument with it. But I, I, I catch myself and I say, wait a minute, you're not to argue. You use the word of God and walk away from it. In other words, somebody somebody comes to you and says, Preacher, can you tell me how to go to heaven? Yeah. I think this and I think that. And I like what Brother Rolf told me one time, and I'll never have got away from it. He said, listen to me now, young preacher. He said, you never have a right to go in that pulpit and say, this is what I think. He said, you don't have that right. Now, everybody else might, but you don't as a Preacher. If you're going to preach God's Word, you got to say always, you've got to know what you say from that pulpit. is the Word of God. And brother, I've learned that's the truth. I've made a lot of mistakes as a young preacher, saying things, doing things that I thought was right to do, but I learned as I go in the Word of God that this is the way God said it, and this is right. Amen? And I correct it. And, and that only by the Word of God. And uh, so, when people come asking you crazy questions, and they're going to do it, they're going to do it in life, then you answer them from the Word of God. This is why I do this. Amen. And uh, I've been called an old phobia, and they got it right. Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word to us today? We love you, but Lord, like these verses teach, teach us to love you more every day. We believe you are God in the flesh and you dwell in us and you give us a heart of love to love everybody. We thank you for that and we ask you to increase that every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.